Welcome to the Public Sector Marketing Show, a podcast for government and public sector marketing professionals who want to level up their digital marketing and social media knowledge, skills, and strategic thinking. And now, welcome your host, Joanne Sweeney. Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the Public Sector Marketing Show. Now, you guys know that I'm a huge fan of content marketing and it's my go-to tactic when developing strategy for my clients. Content marketing is the long game and if you think about it, it's the number one way to build public trust. And for government and public sector, building public trust is the long game for you. It also has great legacy in terms of search engine optimization. So the value from the content that you create today, you could still be getting for years to come. And so coming up in today's show, why content marketing should be your number one digital strategy for the next 10 years. If content is king, then conversation is a queen. I share with you some great content examples from government and public sector bodies. And I get the opportunity to speak to Joe Polizzi, the man that coined the phrase content marketing and author of the book Content Inc. I'm a huge fan of his work. So stay around for that conversation. In today's column, I'm making the case that strategy needs action and action requires decisiveness. Too often in my experience, content marketing is considered too difficult, takes too much time, we don't have the skill set, it costs too much, or maybe it's not a priority. In my view, organizations that prioritize content have a culture that supports its results. You see, what I mean by that is that Organizations that are willing to speak openly to the public, listen to the feedback, and inform their own content plan by analyzing the data are more successful online. So if you decide to invest or to ramp up your content marketing strategy this year or even into 2022, you need to take action, not only to develop a plan, but then considering the execution of it. Who's going to do it? What resources do we need? Do we need to upskill our team? Can we insource some more of that work? Because after all, it is your story, and I'm not a huge fan of outsourcing your story. And we all know the phrase, strategy eats culture every time. So if you have a mindset embedded in the organization that content marketing is not for you, then it's going to be very, very difficult to get results in the digital age. Here's a plan that I put together with my clients and I read it into my online courses as well that you can use in your own organization. The first thing that I do is I ask my clients to take the single biggest pain point right now in their organization that applies to a particular citizen segment. What is that pain point and what is the emotional angst that is upsetting or challenging or frustrating those citizens? Then what you've got to do is you've got to create a content product 
that could be a video series on Instagram TV or on YouTube, a podcast series, maybe even a live stream or a live Q&A. The next thing that you do is that you undertake keyword research. So you've identified the pain point, the pillar messages that you need to communicate. Then what you want to do is you want to understand what search terms the public are putting into Google and into social to get answers to their questions. So that involves a bit of keyword research. It's not very difficult. Even if you put in those suggested terms yourself into Google, Google will spit out other related terms. Then we're going to start with long form content. So I mentioned the video series, but it's really, really important to provide content right now in text, audio and video. Because remember, people consume content in different ways and are navigating different channels. Then you want to repurpose that content into nice social content, leading everybody back to the long form content and to your website. Then it's about amplification and using social ads to get that content to the right audience with that pain point that you identified. And social ads can be a good friend here. And then finally, measuring and iterating, seeing what worked with that test, with that pilot campaign. And then if it is proving to be successful and is generating results, then quite simply, you scale up. So use that idea and that formula for your next content marketing plan. And like everything that I teach, it's academic until you take action. So go ahead, try it out. And of course, I'd love your feedback. If you do try it out, send me your feedback uh, on Twitter to at JS Tweets Digital. Level up your digital skills by taking our diploma in digital marketing, plus gain an industry qualification. Use the code DIGITALMARKETING20 for a 20% discount. Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com. I love the phrase, if content is king, then conversation is queen. And I use this all the time in conversations around content marketing and what it can do to build public trust. You see, you have to start a conversation online, otherwise you're merely a broadcaster. And if you think about the content marketing funnel and the journey that your citizens are taking online to find the information that they want, they will be drawn to the type of content that allows them to have their say. So I would suggest and maybe even say, dare you to be a little bit more brave online. Don't hide behind your content. Go front and center. Consider going live a little bit more. What about a weekly Q&A session? How about even doing a poll and using the feedback that you get from your audience to then create content and be very explicit in explaining that? So you want to show up online in two ways when it comes to your content and to make sure that you get meaningful conversation. Number one, you want to be seen as authoritative so that you are the single source of truth. And no matter what else is spreading online, that you have the information that the public need. Secondly, you want to think about seeking out and tuning into the public's opinion and feedback. Because it is in that feedback that you are going to get a really rich analysis of how the public are feeling. You're going to get that sentiment. 
but you're also going to identify gaps in your communications by virtue of the public seeing it. And when you've mastered that art of being able to have a two-way conversation and taking that feedback, then it's just like a content loop. So you actually then feed that content in to your digital marketing process from your blog, your video, social, through email marketing, and through PPC campaigns. And then it becomes really powerful. And now I'm going to show you three case studies and best practice examples of where content marketing has been used to spark conversation for public sector communications. The first example that I'm going to show you is from the European Commission's Twitter account at EU underscore commission. Now I have to say I love this Twitter account and whoever's behind it in my view is doing a great job. So I'm looking at a pinned tweet and it says hashtag SOTEU, which stands for State of the European Union. Now, this refers to the State of the European Union address delivered by the Commission president, and in this case, Ursula von der Leyen. It's a really big deal because it is where she sets out her vision and ambition and priorities for the next 12 months. So they have an animated explainer video outlining what the address is all about, where it takes place, how the members of parliament engage with her. And it's an excellent way to inform citizens of it. Now, the worst thing that you can do in politics or in public policy is assume that citizens understand the workings uh, and the mechanics of parliament, no matter where you are in the world. So having simple explainer videos is really important. This address is a very big deal and it's going to be covered in great, at great length by all media outlets in every member state. So this is a really shrewd way to get engagement from the public and to explain what the state of the European Union address is. And as I'm looking at it right now, that video of 39 seconds, nice and short, has over 8,000 views. So I love that example. The next example that I am going to share with you is from MABS, the Money Advice and Budgeting Service in Ireland. And I'm on their Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash MABS info. What I love about what they have done here is they have handed over the call to action on their Facebook page to WhatsApp. So you can now WhatsApp the MABS representatives and those that are dealing with queries. And MABS obviously deals in very sensitive and personal information with citizens because people are talking about their, their financial situation, perhaps they might be in arrears, they're stressed out. So being able to have that confidential and one-to-one -one conversation over WhatsApp and not over a telephone, I think is a remarkable public service and great customer service. And we did have Bobby Barber, comms manager from MABS, tell us about why they've integrated it. But I wanted to call it out as an example in today's show. So well done, MABS team. And then the final example whereby public sector is sparking a citizen conversation online is from Greater Manchester Police. I'm on their website, gmp.police.uk, and their hero banner is so inviting. We have a smiling uh, officer, and then we have a question in bold saying, how can we help you? 
And then we have a search bar where I can input my question. They also then have other calls to action. So I can have the options to report, tell us about something, apply or register, request or provide feedback. And just under the hero banner, again, another question, another citizen prompt, what's happening in your era, area? Get the latest crime statistics and advice. Help us with appeals for information and find out what we're doing to tackle crime in your area. This all feels very personalized and that they care. So kudos to the web design team behind Greater Manchester Police. I think the copy, I think the imagery, and I think the place of design and UX and coming from a citizen first approach is brilliant. So there you have it, three wonderful examples where public sector are using digital to spark and to invite citizen conversations. A one-stop shop digital marketing and social media resource. Join our membership academy for 12 months. Access a library of how-to videos, template strategies, and organizational policies. Monthly live coaching. Attend webinars with subject matter experts. Meet and network with public sector pros from across the world. Use the code MEMBERSHIP20 for a 20% discount. Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com. In today's show, I'm absolutely thrilled to be joined by Joe Polizzi, who is the author of Content Inc., and he's just published the second edition. I have a copy of that book, and I've been a huge fan of Joe's for many years. He's also the guy that coined the phrase content marketing, and he founded Content Marketing Institute before selling it recently. He's now pursuing other endeavors, but in today's conversation, we're going to talk about why content should be your number one digital marketing strategy for the next 10 years. Joe, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the Public Sector Marketing Show. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Joanne. It's great to be here. I appreciate it. So I am waiting on the updated edition of this book to arrive. Unfortunately, it didn't arrive in time, but I'm a huge fan of yours. I've been quoting your work and even investing myself and my business in your work for many, many years. What is different about the second edition of Content Inc.? You know, it's there's a few things. It's interesting. I didn't even know there was going to be a second edition, but as COVID came around and we saw this move of more and more businesses and entrepreneurs try to figure out and how do I build an audience online, I decided, okay, let, let's go ahead. Let's take a look at it. And we went out and did some did a bunch of case studies with uh, individuals from all over the planet, pretty much, and figured out that, yes, they are, you know, we are seeing this move of more and more businesses going this direction. What I really wanted to add was the end piece. So as I wrote Content Inc. in 2015, we hadn't yet sold my business, Content Marketing Institute. We ended up selling in 2016. So I told the rest of that story. So what I wanted to do is bookend it. It's okay, what if you, where do you start? Who's your audience? What platform do you build on? How, and then when you build that audience, how do you monetize it? But also then, what's your exit strategy? Do you wanna sell this thing? Where do you wanna go? How big do you want it to be? Uh, what partnerships do you have? So what we did was we, we sort of built the whole thing uh, from soup to nuts and put that in there. We added a bunch of new case studies. Of course, you've got TikTok and you've got Clubhouse and you've got all these new outlets as well that uh, people are building uh, building audiences on. And so, you know, we've got this new edition and it seems like the perfect time. I just read an article yesterday that said there's more and more new businesses starting than ever before. 
So what are they going to do? We're seeing a lot of those businesses start in content creation. So if content is king, conversation must be queen. And really in the age post COVID, the world has changed as you've mentioned. And it's all about trust, I think, because come on, let's face it, anybody can be anything on the internet if they're savvy and they know how it works. But it's going a little bit deeper and it's about that meaningful conversation that content can spark and also then create a legacy. Well, you know, you're absolutely right. And, and we got to figure out how do we get there? And where a lot of businesses and individuals go wrong is they feel, okay, I have something to say and I'm going to plaster that message all over the internet, wherever my customers may be. And that's the wrong approach. What we've seen work really well and what we did focus the case studies on were you actually, you, you know, you find something that you're differentiated with, something that you can talk about that nobody else is else can you really want to lead value what's the what's something that you're delivering to your audience that that is really going to change their life um, they're suffering with some kind of pain point and then don't throw it out all over the internet you actually want to focus on one platform so what we see these initial really successful content entrepreneurs do is they start with just being on YouTube or just being a podcaster or just focusing on their email newsletter or just blogging. Now, it doesn't mean they're gonna not going to go on Twitter and LinkedIn and do all those other things, but they focus on one place to really tell the story well. And I really want to get that out there, Joanne, because uh, most of the people that start this thing, they're like, oh, well, we're going to, I'll do the TikTok thing and we'll do YouTube and we'll do a Twitch stream and just, we're going to be everywhere. And I'm going to work, you know, 20 hours a day. And I'm like, no. That I, I don't see any case studies that are doing that. You focus on one way, you build that audience, we call it a minimum viable audience, and then you can go ahead and expand that and diversify that into other ways. And, um, you know, if I was going to give some advice, I would say to a lot of people, maybe you should stop creating all the content on every platform you can possibly think of and pull it back a little bit and say, you know, where can I be the best in one platform? And actually, I took your advice because. Uh, we met recently on Chris Ducker's incubator group and you said that the first thing that we should do if we're already creating content is we should undertake a content audit. I did that task uh, about two months ago and it gave me huge insights. So for those who are already creating content, is, is that where they start in terms of revisiting their strategy? I would, I, yes, you can do that. And we can talk about that in a little bit, but I, I would actually just start from the beginning. Um, where I don't, there a lot of people start the right way, but most businesses. I mean, I've I've had the pleasure of working with really large businesses, and you go in, and you kind of look at everything they're doing, and where it starts with is they really don't know who their audience is. Very particular, who is that person that you're speaking to that you're want to build that audience with, and what is your differentiation? What is your content tilt? So I would start there. So, you know. You, you have to battle all this clutter of content on the web and in person and even in print today. And you're like, well, how do I break through all that clutter? Well, you better have a hook. You better have something special that you're delivering that no one else can. And when I ended up going and doing like basic content audits in a lot of these businesses, Joanne, they, they, they're sort of, uh, well, we, we have six different audiences and sort of, uh, you know, they change from here and there, but you know, we've got we're a B2B company, so we've got lots of different buyers. So we, we sort of make things broad so we can cover all those audiences. And I'm like, okay, well, you're already done. Because as soon as you make something so watered down that it can fit more than one or two or three different audience groups, you're never going to be the leading expert in that informational niche. 
So that's kind of where I would start. It does help if you're going to do a content audit and see, okay, well, where's where are the content assets? That's really what you want to find out. Okay, so how you know what, what am I doing on the blog and what am I doing on a podcast and what is all what's all the content we have? That's really good. Like before you're going to do write a book or something to figure out what content you have so you don't have to rewrite. But but what I want to do is just figure out okay, what are these content assets? What can I do that no one else can do? Where do I want to build that audience and what do I want that audience to do? I mean, are we just doing this for fun? I mean, at the end of the day, we have a goal. We want them to do something. We want them to probably subscribe to something we have and we want to drive revenue in some way. So I would just start from the beginning and build out the plan, Joanne. Don't make it overly complicated at first, but just think about it because when we go, we talk to a lot of these companies, they just, if you say to them, hey, what what area can you be the leading expert in the world at? They almost laugh. They're like, oh, we can't. I'm like, well, what are we doing then? then just go buy advertising. There's nothing wrong with it. Just go interrupt people. But if you're going to really do this and you're going to invest your efforts in uh, a blog or a podcast or YouTube or Twitch or whatever, we might as well be the best at it. So let's just go that direction. The beauty of content marketing is that it's applicable cross vertical, cross sector, cross audience. And if I think about the audience that's listening and watching to this, who are working in government and public sector, who very often are content shy and afraid to get the engagement perhaps that businesses are driving for, they can learn a lot from these strategies because guess what? Consumers are citizens, right? It's exactly right. I mean, everybody everybody has needs and wants and everyone's out there getting as much information as they can. What I would say in the public sector, something because a lot of times you have a lot of different red tape it's hard to get some of these things going. So in, especially in those sectors, and I've worked in a lot of business to business environments as well that do the same thing. You might want to start internally. Like, what are you trying to do inside the organization? And it's the same, it's the same principles. You know, who are we talking to? Who's our internal audience? What do you ultimately want them to do? What's the behavior change you want to maintain or create? We'll start there. Maybe it's a newsletter or maybe it's a, um, it's some kind of email or maybe it's uh, something you send through the post or whatever the case is, or maybe it's a regular webinar series to educate them on something. So, I mean, I just read an article the other day about the most important thing, and this is for media companies, the most important thing for media company success is training, internal training. So those are things that we can do inside the organization. So if you want to say, hey, look, I would, I would like to do to our, some of our citizens out there, we should do some program that uh, helps them feel better about something or recycle or more sustainable or climate change or whatever it is, right? Well, it's going to be tough for you to get that off the ground. Well, so let's start. Let's build that audience internally about the importance of your organization doing that. And what we and so then you get a group of people that are loyal. They're all on the same page. And then you could say, OK, now let's move to the outside. And that's so true, because if you think about one of the, the biggest challenges that we have, right now in the world, aside from the global pandemic, it is climate action and convincing citizens that we all need to act. Mm -hmm. One of the reviewers of the second edition of Content Inc. described it as the number one digital strategy for the next decade. That just blew my mind. Digital marketing and social media causes marketers massive overwhelm. But when I read that quote, it just gave me goosebumps and I was like, Yes, if we stick to 
being clear on the audience, getting that emotional connection and engage via storytelling, we can win the internet. Is that too simplistic of an approach or what do you think? Well, that's a that's a wonderful review. You you don't like somebody will say, does do all companies have to have a content marketing strategy? And I would say no. There's a lot of companies that can do just fine the regular old fashioned way and they've got their advertising budget and direct mail budget and event budget and they just do their thing. And that's most companies. But I what I want to say is do you want to be an innovative company, a truly innovative company? Do you want to change the world? Do you want to make people uh, uh, feel things and do things that you didn't think were possible? That's where content marketing comes in because people want to be a part of something more. That's what content creation and storytelling gives them. They give them some more meaning. Uh, yes, do you want to just sell a project or, or a product or a widget? Sure. We all have to sell something at the end of the day, but why not just do something more? Why not help them make their lives better in some way? What I love about content marketing is if you're trying to affect somebody in a positive way, you're trying to build a relationship with them. Yes, you probably need to sell something at the end of the day, but we can affect their lives in a positive way, no matter what, with what we're trying to communicate to them on a regular basis. So that's all we're trying to do. So we can affect the lives in a positive way and be profitable and get, you know, and get whatever initiative in the public sector that we need done. So those are the types of things that I want to think of. Is it the is it the end all be all? No, probably not. But if I was, this is why I fell in love with content marketing. I got in the industry in 2000 and I'm like, wow, I, I don't have to push stuff in, in people's face that they don't want to get. Like, I don't have to force people to say, look at this, look at this over here because I've got to sell this thing. No, all I have to do is figure out who that person is, what keeps them up at night, what are their pain points, deliver something regular to them. And that something could be anything. It could be a blog, it could be a podcast, it could be a, an event series, whatever. Just deliver that consistently over a long period of time. When they do, when you do that, they become to know, like, and trust you more. And when they know, like, and trust you more, you can literally make mountains move. That's why, you know, when we when we launched Content Marketing Institute in 2007, and then we launched the event, our event, Content Marketing World, in 2011, I had no idea, like, people would come up to you and say, oh, my God, you've changed my life. You know, I didn't, you know, I can't believe that we've been able to meet each other. I can't believe you put this together. Like, they're thanking me. And I'm like, well, you paid to be here. I'm, <laughs> I don't, I'm thanking you. But that's the type of feeling you get because you, you mentioned it before. You're pulling at some emotion that um, you just can't get from traditional marketing. So that that's why I that's why I love it because it's it's not only fun, but it's like you feel like you're really doing something for the individual more than just hey, I got to sell this thing. So what about content format? Because that's another thing that keeps marketers up at night. Is now we've got all this format. We've got. 15 second reels we've now got three yep. minute TikTok videos we can go live we've got stories you know where do you direct people in the book on content format i think the the great thing is you have a choice you have a choice on what you think that your organization can do better than anyone else so if you have a bunch of people and let's say you're an engineering you've got a bunch of engineers and some of those engineers are really good have like voices for radio and they're really good at talking and doing Q and A's. You might say, "Oh, we, there's an opportunity here. Maybe we can have a podcast." Or if you have somebody, some people like you, Joanne, that are really comfortable being in front of a camera, then you might say, "Okay, maybe it's YouTube." Because the thing that we don't really have to answer is where is our customers at online. They're 
almost everywhere. So they're listening to podcasts, they're watching YouTube, and you've 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 got a group of uh, more individuals running to Twitch. I mean, maybe that's an opportunity because it's somewhere. Maybe your audience isn't there yet, but they're going there. Um, there's you know there's Clubhouse and there's uh, you know I even go back to print magazines. I mean, if you've got a, some people that really understand the value of print, or you see you want to go that direction because nobody's launching print magazines anymore. They've all gone digital, and you have an opportunity to get attention. So that's the that's the things you can think of is when you get to the point where you say, okay, well, what are we really good at, and match that with what your audience's needs are, and then you figure out, okay, well, what can we do better than anyone else? You, these are all strategic things. You're not even thinking about the what yet. So think about the the why, the who, and the why. Spend some time on that, and then with the what, you'll come to it. You'll figure out how best is this story told. Is it told best through a blog, a podcast, whatever, and then figure that out. And it's just like if you were going to do a television show, if you were going to do a movie, you think about, oh, this is an amazing story. How do we tell it? So you don't say, oh, what are we going to do? And then let's let's go pick YouTube. And then what are we going to say? You don't do that. So figure out what are you going to say first and then how are you going to say it second? What, in your view, has been the biggest disruption from a content marketing perspective in a, in a post-COVID world? Is there anything that's, you know, shifted um, behaviors and then marketers have to respond accordingly? I think that this is an ongoing thing. It just, the pandemic accelerated it. Everyone is becoming a prolific content creator. I mean, when I see if I'm on Twitter and people are saying, oh, content creators are doing this or YouTube's doing this new program for content creators, I don't know what they're talking about because everyone's a content creator. Even my mom on Facebook is creating content. So what what, what are we what are we talking about here? We want to say, okay, well, every everyone is doing that. What can we do to take advantage of that? And that's why I'm thinking a lot more about how do you get your audience involved more in the things that you do from a content perspective. If you have an e-newsletter, is there more places that you can say, hey, if you would like to write for us, if you would like to um, if you would like to be on our podcast, the, the more that you can get your audience involved because they're already doing it. And then you get the opportunity to spread because um, they have all have their own audiences as well. So it's so it's so weird because I come from the media industry and you clearly at that time you had writers and you, we did magazines, and then you had an audience. Well, n now you you have creators on all sides of that equation. So are we just going to continue to distribute information like we always did? So that's the thing that I'm thinking of right now, and that's why, you know, a lot of people are talking about cryptocurrency and some other new things like that. And the reason why I think a lot of people like cryptocurrency is because they feel more involved. You know, if you if you if somebody buys your let's say your social token or your creator coin or your community coin, um, and these are sort of new concepts that the creators can uh, can launch, they feel like they're more a part of it because they sort of have an ownership stake. They have a say. They're part of a membership. So that's what I would if I'm listening to this right now. I would think, how can I get my audience more involved in what we do? Ask questions all the time. There's a, Anne Hanley who is a prolific writer and author, she always asks a question at the top of every one of her newsletters and she gets people to respond back. This is the type of thing we're trying to go for. We're, you know, 
we for our business the tilt we just launched a discord group so we just launched a group where all of our audience could come together and just talk about their problems that didn't happen 20 years ago so these are things that people want to be involved they are creating content but we have to think a little bit more about it's not just one-way communication this is an ongoing dialogue your content is going to feed that dialogue so that's fantastic but we've got to make sure we're sensitive and understand that there's a whole lot more than just one-way content storytelling. Joe, that sounds to me like social media 3.0, where the audience is not only responding, but they're actually driving the direction of the conversation and building out from a government perspective policies. And you know, what are public sector marketers trying to do? They're trying to inform and engage citizens um, about new legislation, about the implementation of policies. Public health is one that comes to mind or environmental policies. But then they're afraid of the backlash if they do build a whole tribe. Whereas if you take your approach and like the Discord group, getting people to talk and engage from the outset, yep. then they're part of it. So this is, and, and, and I think you're right. I, th I think that audiences are demanding a say more than ever before. So on that, the big obstacle then that comes up for marketers is moderation. You know, we really don't want to hear so much from people. What if they criticize us? I mean, or have we gone past those days of worrying about it? Well, in the government sector, I'm sure you have to worry about that all the time, maybe more than but most companies, but but everyone worries about this. So so what do we do? It, it is helpful that if you start sort of a grassroots effort and be really small and focused on an issue. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of, uh, governmental agencies go wrong because they've got five or six or seven initiatives. Well, really what we should have is a couple that we can do really well. So, you know, focus on those two and then set the ground rules. I mean, we had to come in, we've had some people in our discord group that come in and they try to pitch something, you know, they've had some people that maybe weren't as nice to somebody else. Well, you just say, Hey, these are the rules. We're all, we're all human beings here. We're all treating each other like human beings with respect. And if you don't, you're out. Sorry. You know, it's just like if you're on YouTube and, you know, YouTube will just say, well, that those comments, you're gone. Or Twitter does it all the time. You know, it's just that you get to a point and you did something and Twitter says you're you're banned for a week. You know, people don't realize that happens so often to Twitter just bans somebody right or wrong, whatever. They're just saying, look, we got to treat with everyone with respect. I think that let's not be i know we can get into there's so many politics going both ways right now but i would i would just say look at at most human beings they're wonderful people they want to see great change happen they want to see us you know take the next level as a species so let's treat it that way and if you get them to get together from the ground floor and you get them involved that's the whole key. And that's, I guess, what every public sector group would like to do. It, they, if you get your constituents, your citizens more involved from the outset, they will be behind you. They, we're doing this together. It's not just you dictating law, right? Or rules and regulation. This is us together. So if they start this thing as sort of their initiative and you're sort of just, you're there, you're just sort of helping. You're inserting content here and there and, oh, here, this happened and whatever, but they're having their conversations around it. I don't think you could ask for anything more. So just put the rules right like we do, right? Hey, welcome to our group. Everyone is can be a part of this. You can add your two cents. This is wonderful, but you can't do these three things. If you do those three things, you're out. One thing that you mentioned to our group earlier was that 
content is an investment and it's a long-term investment. And when you're beginning to grow a tribe on a specific channel, it can take nine to 15 months. And a lot of people eject or stop before that. So would you agree it's a long game that requires a time and maybe a monetary investment? I don't know how to build a loyal audience in a short period of time. There's maybe there's some a couple very small percentage of YouTubers and, and TikTok stars and and Twitch streamers that can do that. I don't know how to do it. I mean, when we covered the hundreds of case studies in the Content Inc. book, the um, the average was about nine to eighteen months, as you said, of getting to a what we call a minimum viable audience, where you know you have a business where people start to buy from you, that they trust you, that they're starting to be involved in your community. Um, this. It's just like a relationship, you know. You start, you start dating. You're sending out the content. You're just dating. They're just trying to figure it out. Oh, hey, do want to want to listen to this podcast again? And then they listen to it again. And then they listen to it every week. And then they get involved in your Discord group. And then they follow you on YouTube or whatever the case is. Right? That's how it happens. It just takes a period of time. I mean, when we launched our business in 2007, it took about 20 months for us to build enough of an audience, about 10,000 subscribers, for us to say this is a thing. This is going to work. So that's why in the governmental sector, that's why I think that doing this internal communication as well is important because I'm sure you're saying, oh, these are the issues or we're, we only have this period of time. You have to look at your content marketing initiative beyond how many years you think you're going to be an officer doing whatever. You have to you have to say, look, this is a long term initiative that's going to be good for our uh, for our whole community. So it's going to take some time because if you start this in six months, you should have pretty low expectations. Now, it might take off. Somebody might start sharing it. You might have hit on a, on, a, on the nerve, perfect nerve at the perfect time, and it just takes off. But odds are it's going to take nine to 12 months to really get this thing going. So you have to be patient. And that means you have to set the expectations in your organization that things aren't going to happen right away. I mean, you, you, might, you might launch a podcast and say, oh, well, how many downloads do we have? You want to say, no, we're not worried about that at this point. Right now, we're just figuring out who we are. We're just figuring out who our audience is. We're figuring out, you know, what story we want to tell and what we're good at and making this fine tuning this thing, because you're going to look back on it in a year and say, wow, that was terrible. Like it was like, I don't know. And I look at my first couple podcasts. I'm like, oh, these were horrible. Like, I don't even know how people listen to these things. So then you take some time, you move forward and you absolutely have to be patient. And that's it's the long game. It's the marathon marathoners to win this, because, as you said, so many people quit. So great. Have all those people quit, all those organizations quit, and we'll keep going and, and we'll be successful. You've just brought to mind a quote from another podcaster and digital entrepreneur from Stateside, um, Lewis Hose. I was listening to him recently and it just kind of gave me a bit of inspiration and made me excited. And he said, you know what? Oftentimes it's one piece of content that will make, make it for you. And then everybody else will go back at your archive and, and look at everything else. And I thought it was just a really clever point to make that it can be one thing that you say or a conversation that you have with another people that can just take off and then you take off. Have you experienced of that or have you come across that in any of the case studies in the in Content Inc? Oh, absolutely. And it, it, it's always different. And it's different for different people in the audience. I mean, take my... 
it, I remember this specifically. I mean, we were starting to blog and we were starting to to really what we thought was build an audience. You could feel the momentum, but you you just didn't know for sure. And then I wrote um I, I wrote a blog post on Coca Cola's content marketing strategy, and it just resonated. People were sharing it. It got picked up by the media, and I was just like, "Wow, I had no idea." Well, that was it was literally like twenty two months after I started, like. Getting one point to that point, you never know. And you never know what's going to really resonate. Um, I did a, a, a podcast the other day on minimum viable audience. I've been talking about minimum viable audience forever. Brian Clark from Copy Blogger sort of coined that term. It's that point where, you know, you, you, you sort of try to focus on just building the audience and not doing anything else at first and getting to 500 listeners or 1,000 listeners or 2,000 email subscribers and getting to that small tribe before you say, oh, maybe I really have something. Well, somebody reached out to me and said, well, that was the thing I needed to hear. Thank you. I didn't know. The person's been a listener for a long time, never reached out. I didn't even know who they were, but reached out and said, that was the thing I needed to hear today. And that's where the consistency is. I mean, people are, um, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, Ted Lasso, the show on um, Apple TV. And uh, when you say, okay, which one is your favorite episode? Everyone has a different favorite episode of what that is. It's just like anything else. You don't know what's going to resonate with a particular person at a particular time, but that's why the consistency matters. And if you miss a week, you may not get that audience person back ever again. You have to remember that because some people say, oh, I'm going to take this week off. No, you don't. You don't. Never don't. You don't. If you decide to go forward in content marketing or content creation or content entrepreneurship, whatever you want to call it, you are committing never to stop. So if you're going to go on holiday, you got to work ahead, right? And make sure that you're delivering your YouTube like you do, your YouTube show, whatever you need to deliver it ongoing and you never stop. Uh, it is the 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 content is is a promise you just can't break. So, so absolutely, you never know what's going to resonate. But yeah, it doesn't seem it seems to happen after that, you know, nine month, twelve month mark when you've built enough audience where they really feel like they're on this ride with you. Okay, I've got to ask you for a prediction. You know, we're we're heading into the back end of twenty twenty one. Hopefully, we're I know in Ireland here we're we're coming out of the pandemic and and life is reopening, maybe in a different way, but what is content or what should we be thinking about going into 2022? Is there any bit of insight that you can give us? Yeah. I mean, a couple of things that I would look at is look at, to your point about content audit, just look, you don't have to do a formal content audit, but look at what you're doing. Like how many things are you doing? Are you doing five things, six things? How many social media platforms are you on? And you probably should simplify it. You probably should kill some of those things so you can be better. You only, we call it content energy. You only have so much content energy to be good at a few things when you're starting out. So if you're doing nine or 10 different things, maybe you say we're gonna focus on one social platform and we're gonna focus on you know one main storytelling platform. In your case, maybe it's YouTube or it's a blog or whatever. Uh, I would also uh, go old school. And I think there's huge opportunities in print media, as we were talking about, I think because everyone left and went digital, you have all this attention, people still get the post, uh, and that you could send them a wonderful print magazine that sort of lean back technology instead of lean forward. Uh, I think events are going to come back huge in 2022. You can already feel it. We don't know when exactly we can do this, but if you're saying, Hey, in 2023 or late 2022, we want to do an event. I think now is probably a pretty good time 
to, to start planning those things. And, uh, and then I, I would say, really sit down and say, where, where can we add something that no one else can from our perspective? And sit in a room with your team and ask yourself, you know, are we doing enough? Are we being enough of ourselves? Are we really focusing on the pain points of our audience and, and, and those things? So uh, that's what I'm looking for. And outside of the fact that I think you're going to see a lot of mergers and um, acquisitions happen where you see a lot of big organizations. I don't know, maybe in public sector, I don't know how, how you can do some of that, but you're going to see a lot of bigger businesses buy small content creators because these smaller content creators are very successful, but they have tough time monetizing. You've got a lot of these big businesses that can't build an audience because they're not patient enough. So there's there's going to be a lot of acquisitions happen in a very short period of time. I think that acquisition marries perfectly into public sector because they don't have maybe the skills or capacity. That's to true. Create, and they may acquire some really talented individuals who maybe need some some cash quick. Joe, I have been a huge fan for over a decade, and it's an absolute pleasure to to speak to you. Thank you so much. Uh, for coming to me from Ohio, am I right? Cleveland, Ohio. You got it. Absolutely. At eight in the morning. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for sharing your insights. Can't wait to get my hands on your new book. And I really do wish that everybody else would get their hands on the second edition. You have a great day. And thanks once again. Thank you, Joanne. Level up your social media skills by taking our diploma in social media, plus gain an industry qualification. Use the code SOCIALMEDIA20 for a 20% discount. Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com. You have two weeks in order to secure your ticket for the Public Sector Digital Marketing Summit. It's happening on the 22nd and 23rd of September, over two days. On day one, we give the stage over to public sector marketing pros working on the front line of communication and the single theme that will bind everybody together at this year's conference is lessons learned from COVID-19. I'm sure your organization has transformed and we will speak to public sector pros from transport, citizens information, public health and policing and among other categories to bring to you how they have managed the response to communicating in a pandemic, and let's face it, communicating almost exclusively online. You can go ahead and view the agenda and download the conference brochure at publicsectormarketingpros.com forward slash 2021 summit. And if you are intending to bring a, a large group of people, you can get in touch with me to arrange a group discount. Don't forget that we have a great resource for you over at publicsectormarketingpros.com forward slash digital marketing. This is your opportunity to download our free new guide on digital marketing for public sector, out with the old, in with the new, and how you can progress your career in public sector or in a government agency. Perhaps you're intending to go for promotion this year or you have your site set in it in 2022, well, you definitely want to know how digital marketing is changing in the public sector, and I've written the definitive guide. Thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode of the Public Sector Marketing Show. I always really appreciate the time that you give over to me and to my guests to help you learn how to level up in the digital age. 
If you haven't already, please share the show with a public sector pro you know, maybe even send it out in your next internal newsletter because the feedback that I'm getting from subscribers to the podcast and from the YouTube show is that they find it really useful and really tangible and taking ideas immediately into their day job. So that's it from me for now. I will see you on episode 29. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Public Sector Marketing Show. This episode has ended, but your digital journey can continue. Head over to publicsectormarketingpros.com to access resources and links mentioned in today's show and to connect with Joanne and her team. Until the next time, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform.